Hey, this is Jessica Rice, Communications Director at Renaissance Church, and you're listening to the first episode in a special edition of podcasts we're releasing over the next few weeks. If you call Renaissance Church home, you know that we recently started this sermon series all about relationships called Real Love. We're going in and breaking down how relationships of all kinds can thrive and looking to God's love and His Word for direction. Now, the sermon series is fire, and you can also catch those teachings on our podcast feed, but we thought that since we're talking about real love, it is the perfect opportunity to also hear some real relationship experiences from some of the special people who make up Renaissance. So we're going to talk to people with all kinds of relationship experiences, and it's going to get real. So make sure you stay tuned as we'll drop new episodes every Wednesday. But for this first episode, I am very excited that I got to sit down with Lester and Jamie Kim. If you don't know them, they started coming to Renaissance in 2015, and Lester joined Renaissance Church staff about a year later. In his role as associate pastor, Lester oversees community life and general pastoral care and counseling. He's also legendary for delivering what I would say are the best benedictions this side of mm, the Mississippi, and Jamie is truly brilliant. That's not at all hyperbole. She balances being a rock star software engineer at Google and being so very down to earth. Uh, Lester and Jamie live in Harlem with their two sons, Tyler, who's 13, and Max, who's 12. They have been married for almost 19 years, so they're definitely not new to this whole marriage thing, but their long marriage also hasn't been all rainbows and unicorns, too. And you're going to get to hear them talk about a really tough season in their marriage and their honest reflections, um, I think have something for all of us, whether we're struggling in our marriages, are happy in our marriages, or we're thinking about one day being married. I can't wait for you to hear from them. So without further ado, here's Lester and Jamie. So tell us, how did you meet? Um, <laughs> well, the bridge version, I guess, is we met at church in Boston. I was there for seminary for grad school, and Jamie was there for undergrad. And we met at the same church there. Well, her home church. When I first went to Boston, I thought, there are no good-looking guys here. Fact. That, you know, dry and barren land. <laughs> And then one day, Lester walks in. I was like, huh, who's that? And um, then... The unicorn. After that... <laughs> Did he wear all black like he does now back then? He was probably wearing a suit. Okay. Because back at this church, we, you know, dressed up on Sundays. Um, we did not hit it off at all, though, because he was very, I don't know, aloof, standoffish. Like, you know, he was better than everyone else there. It's, it's true. I was better than everyone else. Um, <laughs> and, and I was on the praise band. And uh, so we didn't talk for like the first, I don't know, maybe year that you were there. Yeah, we're also, uh, we're almost five years apart. So I think our circles are just different. She's You're older. Yeah, I'm older. She had college student, uh, college friend students for her friends. And I was out of that world for a little while at that point. 
yeah, he was too cool to hang out or talk to any of the college peoples. So how did you guys end up going on a date finally? Um, so, well, what happened, the reason why I shared that uh, I was on the praise band was that after a year of um, him being at our church, he joined our praise team as our praise leader. And so we stood side by side on Sundays singing. Mm-hmm. And we were on a team, unlike Renaissance, which is so awesome here, that not everybody has to play or sing every week. But we practiced every week, set up together every week, sang every week together. And so th- we spent a lot of weekends. But Lester was really, really not friendly. Like, it's true. showed up for practice. <laughs> it was like all business. Here's the set. Set everything up break everything down. And, you know, we just spent like three, four hours on Saturday practicing. And then the rest of us were like, hey, let's go out and get lunch. Let's hang out. Maybe watch a movie. And she was like, that's that's fine. No, thanks. And he would leave. And so we didn't really like, even though we were on the praise team together for a year and change, we just, there was, it was all business. Um, and You're then, also skipping a part. Which part? The part you thought you thought that I knew that you liked me, even though I had no idea because you told someone that we both knew. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to skip over this. <laughs> this um, is a safe-ish place. What do you mean? This is recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so I had told somebody, remember I said that there were, it was a dry and barren land and there weren't any good looking people. Right. So I told somebody that I thought he was attractive. And so then I thought that they told him. So I was like, oh, this guy is going around thinking that I'm sweating him. You know, 80s. Right, 90s sweating right. I, I'm with you. And so I was like, but then he wasn't friendly. He wasn't nice. So you're thinking he knows you like him and he's still just not giving you any play. Right. And I was like, I'm not going to give him that satisfaction that I'm going around, you know. I hear you, Jamie. I hear you. So that was the, you know, year and change while we were on this team together. And... um so we didn't, no, nobody was nice to each other out of the two of us. And then one day. By the so, way, I had no idea. <laughs> our praise team, um, like the whole team knew how to set up and use all of the sound equipment and they wanted to run a church event. And so they asked if somebody would volunteer to set the equipment up because they forgot to ask somebody to, to make sure that was all set up. So I volunteered. And then Lester was really nice and he volunteered to help me since, you know, I'd have to carry all the speakers and set them up and stuff. And then I don't know why, but I was nice to him that day. And like, you know, while we were working the soundboard, I offered to go get a plate of cookies from the refreshments. It was a, like a coffee night that we were doing. And then that was the first night, like we kind of got along cause yeah. And then like that week he called me. <laughs> Oh, and remember, we were at the church together for like years now. No, there was no like nice conversation for, you know, two years. And then he calls me and he calls me with this like lame excuse like, hey, I'm coming into town. Is there somewhere good to have lunch? Yes. Yes, Lester. Yes, my game wasn't strong back then. I see. I see. (laughs) But maybe it was because you went to lunch. Yes, we went to lunch, and then I think he called, like, almost every day after that. Yeah, we hung out for, like, two weeks straight, almost. Yeah. And then by that time, I realized it was getting a little shady. Like, I had to make it clear, like, because I'm on staff 
at the church. And so I don't want to, I don't want like, like a, rep, a rumor to go around about just me hanging out with a girl f- just randomly. So, uh, yeah, we had, we had the, I guess it's called, back then it was called the DTR, to define the relationship, right. to clear things up, whether we're just friends or something more than that. Right. So we had that conversation over the phone. We met very awkwardly the next day. It's really awkward to define the relationship on the phone. And then you see each other the next day and you're like, hey, hey, boo. Hey, so it's you. There you are. Yeah. Yeah. So then how long did you guys date before you got married? Two years. Yeah. Yeah, About two years. Two years. I mean, we... So after day two, we already knew we wanted to get married. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we we basically laid out everything uh, to each other. Our our past, some of our uh, concerns that we may have for the other person about why they may not want to date us. Hmm. So we cleared that out just because for me, at least what I didn't want was I didn't want her to find out something about me later on after investing in this relationship and then say, Oh, I didn't realize that about you. And then say, I can't handle that. So, so I wanted to be up up front and be like, look, if you can't handle it, that's cool. I totally understand it, but don't, don't drop me later just because you weren't prepared for it. If you're going to get into it, you're going to go in with the eyes wide open. That's pretty cool. Same thing for me. Um, I'm very much not about keeping secrets. And unfortunately, I had a previous relationship where I had that, okay, here's all the past, here's all the baggage and whatnot. And that person kind of freaked out. And Mm. so I did not want to even get started if this was going to be an issue, which... In hindsight, you know, maybe not the best way to go. I think some people, you know, need to warm up and build a little bit of trust in something else. But I just like day two, here's everything on the table. It's your chance to leave. And yeah. 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 That's amazing. So thinking back to when you guys first got married almost 19 years ago, what would you say were your expectations or thoughts about marriage? What you thought it was going to be? What you hoped it would be. You want to go first? Um, we were just stupid. I mean, <laughs> I don't think, uh, I think the expectation was it's going to be awesome because we're awesome. Hmm. You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> Very humble yes, approach yes. to the whole thing. That's what I'm known for, my humility. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in a dry and barren land church. <laughs> This is why I didn't want him to know. <laughs> no, I, um, I just, I just thought like we're Christians. I know the Bible. Like, it'll work out. Mm-hmm. You know, just because like we're good. I mean, why wouldn't it? Yeah, what you could know? go wrong? Exactly. Well, we'll find out later on. Tons mm-hmm. of stuff, but I mean, yeah, I think when you're when you're young and you don't get, you don't have a lot, like, and everyone around you at the moment, at that time in the twenties were like, when you're 20, everyone was in our, like our friend circle was kind of getting married. Um, all you see is the weddings, but you don't see any of the stories behind it or afterwards. And so there was no reason to think otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like, why would, why should we expect anything else? Because that's all we, that's all we saw. It was just going to work out. Mm-hmm. I did not have any expectations. Really? I think, um. 
I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who like dreams of what the future is going to look like. I was not the person with a wedding scrapbook. Mm-hmm. I had a wedding spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I plan things, mm-hmm. but I don't like have these like dreams and expectations and pictures of the future. And so carrying that into marriage, I didn't have some picture of what I thought. I probably had unspoken expectations mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm sure it'll look like whatever my parents look like growing up. Mm-hmm but I didn't have any conscious expectations going in. Mm-hmm. And I think I just sort of showed up and was like, all right, we're here. This is it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, but I will say, I think the only thing, that one thing that was super clear for me is I had a good idea what I didn't want it to be. Hmm. Like I didn't want it to be like my parents' marriage. Hmm. So I was dead set on making sure that I would consciously and intentionally do everything that would never be like my parents' marriage. Hmm. So that was clear for me. How that would like work out, I had no idea, but that was definitely an image that was really clear for me that I did not want that in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And what was there anything in particular that you wanted to avoid? Yeah, I mean, I mean, my parents are great now, and I think you know they were going through a lot of difficulties at the moment, just with work, stress, just a lot of stuff. And just uh, they're first gen immigrants, so there was just like a whole other set of, you know, expectations mm-hmm. um, that Pressure. don't fit uh, as an I guess growing up here as an American. Uh, so it was just two different worlds that something of the old world that I saw, some things I love and I appreciate, and a lot of stuff that I did not. Uh, so an example is, I just did not like how my parents were on two different pages in terms of how to raise children. Mm-hmm. Like my dad would say one thing, my mom would just do something else and kind of almost uh, defiantly. And so they would just fight all the time. Um, I just didn't like how, yeah, yeah, it just seemed like they were, they were married, but on two different roads. Mm-hmm. And so, and I also distinctly remember, you know, like having a conversation with one of my parents and asking them, hey, if you could go back, would you marry this person? And one of them said no. Mm. I remember being really hurt hearing that because I love both my parents. Mm -hmm. And just to hear that one kind of at the time, maybe because it was just really painful for them at that moment, saying like to their child about their parent that they love, that they don't, they could go back, they wouldn't want to do it again. So I promised myself like that would never happen. Mm. Whoever I meet would not regret being with me so that was definitely maybe a chip on my shoulder or Hmm. maybe a wound I carried Mm -hmm. wow and so then you guys are married and what is it like a couple years in that you do in fact not necessarily end up with the marriage that you thought you were going to have yeah um and more so than like the details of struggling in your marriage, how did you feel in those moments? Part of, I think, what made certain parts of marriage very difficult were things that were problems that I had to deal with myself. Mm-hmm. Namely, one of the biggest things for me is dealing with my own emotions. Mm-hmm. And so actually I remember very distinctly one of the first fights that we had when we were dating was because I was upset. And I think he might have asked me, like, what's wrong? 
And I couldn't articulate because the pathway between my feelings and my brain and my mouth was just broken. And so I was not able to like, and I don't know if it was that I was emotionally unaware or, um, or just that I had trouble communicating. So that general issue, which was an issue just, you know, personal to me, not necessarily within the relationship, then you can see how that affects a relationship because then when I'm upset, you know, what do, what do they tell every couple to do? You should communicate. You got to practice communicating. Well, if I can't tell you what I'm feeling, then there's the rest of that whole pathway is broken, you know? Yeah. And so I think that, you know, in the early days, everything's great. You know, you're just, you're starting your new life together. I think that over time, I probably just got used to burying all the things that bothered me. Mm -hmm. And I also, I don't know if this is true anymore, but definitely at the time, I was also very Mm non-confrontational. So even if I could articulate what the problem is, I definitely wasn't going to go to the person, whether it's a friend or my spouse, and talk about, hey, you did this. This bothered me a lot. We need to talk about it. And so I think just over the years that whole thing piled up and I just didn't talk about it. So on the outside, there's a veneer of peace because you're not fighting. Right. I'm not, you know, throwing a hissy fit and just like, right. which, you know, in hindsight would have been better. It would have been better if I just like threw a tantrum and like started screaming, not because of that's healthy, but that's a step closer when you're able to be honest about right. what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And so I think for me, it was a journey but at the time, it just got worse because then what ended up happening is I just started pulling away. And the more that I kept all the stuff in and didn't share it, the more like I didn't really want to be a part of this anymore. And the scary thing is if you asked me at the time, like, how are things? I would have been like, oh, fine. Hmm. Um, until they weren't fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, when you guys moved, you had been living in California, you moved to New York City. Um, You guys had been married for maybe about 10 years at that point when you moved to New York. And I know Mm -hmm. you had shared in a video interview that we'd done at the church before that that was just such a hard place where you guys were at that point, like the lowest point maybe in your marriage. And I think it's interesting what you said, Jamie. It sounds like I think a lot of times when there are struggles in marriages, people are looking for like the earthquake event of like, what happened? Somebody like did some big thing or something bad like totally happened when often there's some kind of small drifting that's happening or some small kind of retreating or some small blockage in the intimacy and the communication. So I think that's really interesting. I mean, what would you say at that low point in your marriage what were your relationships with God like for both of you at that point? Hmm. Um, I, I think for me, my relationship with God, I feel like Jacob. Was Jacob the one with the hip? Yes. I don't know. I, I'm so bad yes. at Bible stuff. That's okay. She's as a pastor's, pastor's wife. wife, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where he wrestles with God. 
Yeah. And then God like does the thing to his hip and he's always like a little bit, you know, like Got that limp. Mm-hmm. But he was tenacious and he's like, no, I'm not going to let go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how I felt like my relationship with God was, is things are not great, but I know no matter how bad, like I'm not, you're, st- I'm still your daughter. Mm. You're not like letting me go. So well, something's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, um, and then also sort of like a little bit of like this Jonah thing where, you know, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, mm-hmm. but he knew he had to. And then he's kind of like begrudging, like, fine, God, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do. I think I kind of had this like, well, I'm going to complain because I can complain to you because it's safe. But I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And I don't, do you really want me to live this way? Like this long? But I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, maybe the better, like, way to summarize that is that there is this sort of safety in this, like, fence where I know I have this faith and I know that my identity as a daughter of uh, God is not in jeopardy and I can be safe enough to complain about all the things I want to complain about after I finally admitted it to myself that, I, you know, there were things that I wasn't happy about. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's incredible. How about you, Lester? Mm, I think for me, it's been, uh, I think even before the marriage, but I think it definitely hit its highest point was, I think I, I've described myself in the past as like Saul before Paul. Hmm. Like I knew the right and wrong. And I thought I, I thought what I was doing was right and wrong. And I thought that what I did know was the way it's supposed to be done and done in a certain way. And everyone else was basically just not doing it right. And so it doesn't matter who's getting stoned. I was like, but I'm right. Mm. I'm good. And so kind of um, like a, a naive, but kind of a hypocritical, hypocr- hypocritical like self-righteousness, thinking that actually I'm okay and it's okay if others are not okay. And if others are not okay, that's, not, that, that's because it's on them. Mm-hmm. And so kind of like walking around with, a, you know, definitely a level of arrogance of like, but I'm, I'm doing the right thing. You know, so I'm doing the right thing. So if if there's a problem, it's someone else. Uh, so I think it definitely took, um, yeah, I think it took a, the low point of our marriage for God to open my eyes and realize, like, there's just a ton of stuff that I needed to repent of and resolve. And I also understand that um, God's truth is God's truth. But the application of it and the kind of the embodying of it is not, it has to be done like in a, in a loving and graceful way, in a patient way, not in an expedient or efficient way, which is what, you know, um, I think of what I was trying to do and gun for um, because just efficiency alone is not, or just, you know, we tell our kids like, Doing the right thing is better than being right. And so I think I was doing the opposite. I was happy being right and not so much doing the, concerning myself with doing the right thing mm. and misunderstanding that I needed to do the right thing, even though I knew what was right. Like doing the right thing is better than just being right by myself. So, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I, I don't think for either one of us, like, it's not like we stopped going to church. You know, it's not like we, it's not like I stopped praying or reading the Bible. It's just that 
you know, like I think there was that disconnect between faith and life and kind of how the, how those two came together. Yeah. Was it hard to be in community in that time? I mean, going through struggles, I feel like a lot of times when people are struggling in their marriages or in life in general, the first tendency is to kind of draw away from their spiritual community to kind of hide. Um, was it hard or was it in the end helpful to continue some of those rhythms? You know, I started earlier how, because we only saw weddings and not the aftermath, mm -hmm. like everything seemed good or supposed to be good. So kind of like being a professional at work, we just kind of like played our part and not try to like cause any trouble or be burdensome to other people. Cause yeah, I mean like, cause we just didn't know like that was okay to do because we never had anyone say that to us or seen it. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause how is someone going to react to say, Hey, how are you guys? How's your marriage? And we're like, it's, it's crappy. Right. Like mm -hmm. we don't like, it's terrible right now. Like that's a terrible Sunday morning greeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, not I wasn't really asking you how you felt. That was just a greeting. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, let's go to service now. <laughs> Do you now. really want to know? Let's go to service now and sing some songs. <laughs> yeah. So it's like finding the balance between, uh, like Jamie was saying, like I think being careful with who we're sharing with things with. Um, like, you know, Jesus says, don't throw your pearls to swine. So finding the right people to talk with. But at the, at the moment, we didn't have people to talk with. And so we just kind of faked it. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of took it day by day because it was just uh, I don't think that would, we could do anything else um, but still like went to church um, I don't think not going to church ever crossed either one of our minds mm -hmm. um, yeah I think that's that's never the answer mm -hmm. for us when you did share with those trusted people were there any responses that were particularly helpful so like you said, if somebody does go to friends and says, how are you doing? And they're met with, our marriage is really in a bad place. What response should people in our community have? Like what was helpful in those moments with those people? Um, I know what was helpful for you, but. What was most helpful for me was someone just listening. Mm-hmm. The last thing I wanted was advice. And it's not that I couldn't have used advice, but I needed someone to just walk next to me and listen and, I mean, nudge me in the right direction. And I appreciated friends who spoke truth, not, you know, just saying, oh, you know, you're right, he's wrong, or mm -hmm. like, you're good. But, you know, if I was doing something that, you know, I shouldn't be, call me out. And I had friends who did that, but still were there afterwards. And, okay, well, you need time and I'll still be here. Mm -hmm. And they prayed for me. And, you know, in contrast, it wasn't always like that. And I definitely had friends where that wasn't exactly the response. And so I also don't take for granted that everyone's okay to hear that. And I think um, that was hard. I think I kind of, in an idealistic sense, thought, of course, like all my friends would support me. 
But I also think that sometimes there are some people who are not ready to hear that mm-hmm. and not ready to share that burden with you. And, you know, like I'm not going to like paint it like a wrong or right or good or bad. Just some people are not ready to do that. And some people are more able to do that. And um, I mean, if, it's nice if you have at least some friends who are able to do that with you. Yeah, I know Jamie had her friends. I think it was different for me. Um, I think I was sifting through um, who I could talk to. I felt super isolated. Only being able to talk to some of my really close like pastor friends or some, some other friends who aren't pastors. But even then, none of them could relate to what we were going through. And so all they can do is just like listen kind of just check in and that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but that was just, that's just my thing. Like I had to learn how to like realize that it was okay. You know, the expression, it was okay not to be okay. Right. You know, but when you're like working through like series of like um, expectations that are not really biblical in terms of like what a, like what a pastor is supposed to be what a man's supposed to be, right? They're just different layers. And that process was, that whole, like, those years were a process of me kind of working through those different layers and finding out and which finding out which ones were good to hold on to and which ones were really unhealthy and I needed to kind of just let go of. That's incredible. So how would you guys describe your marriage today? lot better <laughs> than eight years ago yeah. it couldn't it couldn't have gotten worse mm. yeah like the worst which we were heading toward was definitely separation mm-hmm. um, I wasn't um, I wasn't willing to entertain divorce but definitely separation was something we were headed toward um, but we we are way better than when we were uh, back then. Much healthier, because Jamie now does not have a problem <laughs> speaking up <laughs> and voicing frustration. <laughs> and so our communications are much more robust. <laughs> they <laughs> are. I like that, ro- that word, robust. <laughs> <laughs> much more effective. Maybe mm-hmm. is that a better mm-hmm. word? So it's better now, but it's still a work in progress. I mean, there are a lot of there was a lot of hurt and damage done and I would hate for someone to think like, it's just, it's like over, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, okay, we're good now. We said sorry to each other. It's everything's good now. No, this is, this is still like in the works, you know, but we are healthier, I would say than we've ever been. Even I think compared to when we first started. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, what would you say you're in this period of struggle? You are not very hopeful, I guess. You feel like you're at this low point and you're still though showing up day to day. And I know Lester, you've talked about there wasn't necessarily this magic moment where everything snapped into place. Uh, But what would you say changed? Like what started to happen? Was there some initial step that one of you took towards each other? Uh, no, I mean, yes and no. Um, 
I think I, I just surrendered. Mm. Um, I know when, when if when it first became apparent that things were bad, I kind of did a knee jerk reaction of like trying to like win her back, like woo her, um, like let's go on a date, mm-hmm. you know, let's go on a fun date, and she's like, nah, we're not, uh, we're not doing that. <laughs> And and it was just because like I'm trying to react, I'm trying to fix mm-hmm. something's broken. I'm trying to fix it, and I'm trying to fix it in a way. That's all I know how to fix something. Like yeah. if something's if this is broken, this is how you fix it. So I'm trying to fix it, and I realized that for both of us, um, I had to just surrender, and just say, okay, Holy Spirit, um, if only you can change someone's heart. Only you can change her heart. Only you can change my heart. And so I just started, that's how I started to pray. It was more of a surrender. And it was definitely a process. Like, um, we were in a bad place for what, Jamie? Like three, four years, at least. Mm -hmm. Openly, three, four years. And that was three, four years of learning how to surrender, learning how to let go, like kind of catching myself when like, I'm trying to do something to like take control of the situation again. And it doesn't mean I don't do anything. Uh, like I'll take steps toward Jamie. But then I realized quickly like either she or I would not be ready for that. And I am definitely hurt and disappointed by the rejection. But at the same time, understanding that just like I want to, I think I'm ready to do it. Maybe she's not ready for it. And for me, for me to force the situation would have been counterproductive. And so I just learned how to surrender and pray more. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever prayed so hard in my life with tears in my, on my knees and just surrendering. Um, yeah, holding on to scripture. I was having a conversation with a friend today about that. It was just, uh, I needed God's word to be the anchor in my life during the storm of my life. And so I need a bigger anchor because the storms were bigger. Wow. So I needed more of his truth to hold me down in spite and despite what I was feeling and raging or whatever, or just drowning in my emotions. I just needed his anchor to hold me, hold me down in place. Otherwise, I would have been totally swept away and completely overwhelmed and destroyed. And it doesn't mean I wasn't destroyed on some emotional sense, but, but I, I just got through the day. That's all. That's what I pray for. I said, give me my daily bread. Mm-hmm. Just give me bread for today. Cause I don't even know how I can see, see the end of today. So just, and I would just pray, Lord, carry me, carry me. Cause I, I can't do it. Carry me, carry me till tomorrow and carry us to tomorrow because I don't see any future. And so, I think that's when I realized God's word. Um, I'm convinced all of scripture was written in tears because I think scripture only makes sense in tears. Right? Because like, how else would you pray these things? Like uh, when you pray, when I memorized Proverbs 3, 5, 6 when I was a kid, because I love that verse, like trust in the Lord with all your heart, mm-hmm. lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your pastor. And I'm like, this verse is awesome. Yeah, I trust you, God. And it's easy to trust God when it's sunny. Yep. But it's hard to trust God when 
you can't see in front of you. And all you know is he's holding your hand, but you have no idea where it's going. And everything inside of me, my intellect, my heart, my emotion, even physically, is railing against this lack of control. But I have to just hold on to his hand and trust him and believe that he is who he says he is, and he loves me, and he loves Jamie, um, despite what my eyes tell me. So mm -hmm. I needed God's truth to help me kind of like regain perspective from my heart. So, Yeah. I would say that there's a bunch of things. First was the acknowledgement like, okay, something's really wrong. Mm. Hmm. Which remember when I was suppressing everything, that <laughs> took a while before I realized like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I suppressed that for a long time. So again, if you ask me like, is, how's everything? And there was a point I'd be like, oh yeah, it's fine. Um, and then when we finally had a conversation about how bad it was, we started going to counseling hmm. and that was huge because there's definitely certain steps, you know, both on a personal level and then as a couple that I'd be extremely impressed for certain couples to do this on their own. Sometimes I feel like you need to be prodded. You need to be made uncomfortable to deal with the things that, you know, someone like me just decided to put under, you know, squish under the, the cushion and bury really deep. Um, and then the rest of it, I feel like was just really really slow mm -hmm. it was like yesterday looks just like today i don't know if i have any more hope because like nothing's changing for years months days months years and then um and i remember praying like i don't feel like doing this i really don't see how this is going to end up i i don't see any future but then it's also one of those moments where it's like, clearly I don't have an answer, God, so fine, I'll surrender. Mm. And then, you know, I also don't have faith. I don't really don't see how you can do it either. But I'm just going to pray this prayer. Okay, if, if you can change my heart, change it, because I don't feel like doing this. Mm -hmm. And then there wasn't like, oh, I woke up the next morning and, oh, I love Lester. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> It's like, ooh, you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it was just like really, really slow and incremental. And I would say that, but it could only happen because neither of us left. Wow. If we had given up and left. And I, and not even saying like, oh, because I had hope and I, and I didn't. Yeah. But if we had given up and left, then it, there would have not been room for that incremental change to happen. Yeah. And there was definitely a day at which I turned and I was like, oh, I don't hate you anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, it's not so bad. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. I'll hold your hand. Mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't, it didn't feel like a like oh, moment. Right. It was just like, oh, today it's a little different. And then, and I kind of feel like that's where we got up till here. And so I can't even look and be like, oh, but last year. Then it became amazing. No, it's just every day it changed a little bit. Wow. Yeah, I think it's different. I think for us, it was like one person didn't want to be there and the other person's holding on, right? So I think the approach is going to be different. Mm -hmm. Like Jamie was sharing, like she just didn't leave, 
Um, but she wouldn't do the things I'm doing because I'm the one who's trying to like hold on, right? So the, the strategies or the intentionality of things will be different. Like for Jamie, you just be like, fine, I'll just, I'll just be here, you know? And that was what she needed to do. But for me, I not only was I praying, but I was thinking, um, you know, like when you like and you see fabric and you see like a single thread. Um, a single thread by itself is super thin and can, you can snap it just by pulling it hard enough. But if you weave it enough times, it becomes pretty difficult or uh, impossible to break. And so I was trying to create like a hundred different strands. Um, and that was intentional. I don't know if Jamie realized it or not, but I was trying to create a hundred different strands to keep us together. So I was trying to create as many connection points um, as minor as it was. And I think because we were at a place where we didn't like necessarily want to be around each other. Um, but if we had to be around each other, uh, I know we spent a lot of time, like if we're watching Netflix, it would definitely be like comedy, mm -hmm. something lighthearted, something we could both sit together and watch. Mm -hmm. So it's something like, it's not even spiritual. It's just very mundane, normal but we just watched something we could both watch and laugh at together. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing super heavy, nothing that would add on to the weight that we already were feeling. Um, I know Jamie loved doing crosswords. So I started doing crosswords because of that with her. Right. And then we would go to the coffee shop, do crosswords together, talk, not really with each other, but kind of at each other in terms of just trying to solve the crossword. Um, and so those are just some examples of like things that, uh, connections I was trying to make to make it harder for her to leave, um, or harder for her to give up because we're just, there's just too many touch points. Um, but by, by themselves, it was insignificant, but together, um, I thought it's better than having nothing. Like at least like, it'll make it harder. <laughs> Yeah. You know, make it really hard for her. <laughs> that's amazing. That's really, that's incredible. You didn't know that was happening, did you, Jamie? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Look at you now. Lester had more game than he thought. I did. Than we all thought. <laughs> I am actually as awesome as I think. <laughs> I am not actually that in the podcast. That I actually am as awesome as I, as I thought that I was. You could edit that out again. That's amazing. <laughs> So you guys mentioned that you have two boys and uh, they're teenagers or preteen teenagers. They're gross. Age. They're gross and smelly, I'm sure. Um, I have that to look forward to myself. But, <laughs> but um, I love them. But you love them, <laughs> those little monsters. So, um, but when they're young and you guys are going through these struggles and in some, like, in some cases you're not really talking to each other much, you're kind of tolerating being in the same space. You have your different hurts and feelings. What's it like to parent, to, to still be there, having to take care of children? I know a lot of people in our community who may be struggling in their marriages are thinking about this, like how do I ensure that we keep the kids safe and protected and as we, the adults, are going through our things. So what did that look like for you guys? I think it revealed, at least to me, um, 
like I said, another layer of how selfish or my self-centeredness was because I could easily, I saw myself easily thinking about like my pain and like me being one and like say, well, what about me? What about like, I want to be loved, you know, but um, like just like understanding, like I have to think about the boys too, like what's their good. I, I, I still remember actively praying God's, Whatever Jamie and I are going through, I don't please like shield their eyes, shield their heart, so they don't they're not affected at any all by what we're going through. Somehow, some way, don't let what we're going through affect them. And I remember actually actively praying about that. Um, and so, but I mean, it, with kids, it gets super challenging because it's it's so complicated. It was weird because Tyler was five, and when we were going through this, and this is like I don't I don't want to say this as like this is gonna happen, but at least just for us and our story, I felt God distinctly intervening through Tyler sometimes because we would be holding his hands each on each side, this and he like would a- yeah, and he would bring our hands together mm. to hold hands together, and we're like, oh, this is very weird. not Tyler yeah, to do yeah Tyler. Yeah, it's not very. It's not like him at all. But he would do that multiple times. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes God uses our children to, you know, hold us down or maybe keep us preoccupied, depending on their age. Um, I think if they if it happened while they're at their age now, I think it'd be very different. I think still distractible. Like we could be distractible because of taking care of them. But I think one thing we've learned and do is uh, we are comfortable letting our children see us like kind of argue or have disagreements because we're trying to model for them that this is how you like resolve like issues. Healthy conflict. Yeah, you have conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas like I think we grew up in a household where basically it's like one person has the word, it's the law, and then it's done and it's not a matter of conversation. And so that's another example of how a bad model teaches us, makes uh, us ill-equipped to handle marriage in the future. Yeah, and then I didn't want to repeat that kind of bickering. So my response was just to not voice these things. That wasn't healthy either. But to, to his point, I didn't have a model of, it's okay to say, I didn't like that. I disagree. We need to talk about this. I didn't have that model. So I thought I decided to solve this by just being quiet and not speaking up and not voicing these things. But I'm, I am glad to, you know, to sort of evolve and to learn from there. And it's okay. We're figuring it out too. And um, yeah, so now yeah, they'll now definitely see us disagree. Yeah, now we're trying to model for our sons like, yeah, just when we do have disagreements, like how to like work through that, process it. It's not clean. Um, we're not we're not yelling at each other, but definitely there is definitely a level of tension, and we don't t- we don't like hush them away and say go to your room. Um, they're just kind of. <laughs> in the well, clock. we also don't like have blowout arguments yeah, either. Yeah. And then yeah, and then it gets resolved and. They're probably around when that happens too. Like we're, we'll like be apart from each other. Clearly like something happened 
And then, you know, now we're talking again and we're having that conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, I think we're just trying our best with so many mistakes to model to our sons, like what a marriage is supposed to look like. Um, and it sounds messed up, but our boys know since they were little, I said, who loves, who does daddy love more mommy or you? And they're like, mommy, we know dad. Like, um, but that's a real thing. I've seen, I've seen families. I've seen like couples put their children above their spouses. And that's a huge mistake. It's unbiblical. Um, my logic is, look, she's been around longer than you guys have. <laughs> There's no reason why you should take her place. I, I, she's put in her dues. We've been through a lot of stuff together. You just popped out of nowhere. I go, oh why should, God. why should he I really does say this to our <laughs> kids. I a thousand percent believe and know that he says that to the boys. No, but I want them to know, like they should love their wives even more than us. When they, if they, if they get married, I would hate if they loved us more than their own wife. Right. Uh, so a man leaves w- his mother and father and cleaves to his wife. Yes. And I, cause I, I would, I would want their wives to feel loved and secure mm-hmm. in that relationship and not have to ever wonder like, Ooh, I wonder who he loves more. That should never be a discussion. And the truth is that so much security for children comes from that security Absolutely, being yeah. there in in their parents' relationships. So. Yeah, and it causes division. I mean, you know, we're pitting like us against our children. That's a terrible, that's a terrible thing to do. Yeah. So Lester, you, uh, as an associate pastor at Renaissance, you spend a lot of time counseling couples. Uh, a lot of times those couples who are getting ready to get married, you're doing premarital counseling, other couples, and uh, I'm wondering, as you do your work, without obviously getting into specifics about people, but are there common themes that you see, like common even mistakes or errors in the way people think about marriage that those of us who are married should be thinking about? Yeah, um, I think there are, there are several, but I think one is um, just like expectations, like uh it sounds rude, but I tell them, you're just not good at this. Um, I think couples walk into relationships and marriage expecting it to be good, and it's groundless, the expectation. Um, everything we do in life, almost everything we do in life, except lying and sinning, we're experts at. But everything else, we're just bad at it in the beginning. Uh, and so, and I don't know why there's that kind of like intellectual like gap where everything else in life and we're not good at in the beginning. But for some reason, when we get married and make these vows, we'll actually be good at it. Hmm. Um, there's no evidence for that. There's no proof of that. It's totally not true. And But if, you, if we walk into a relationship or marriage, especially marriage, thinking that we'll be good at it and it's groundless, and then when things don't go well, What's the first thing we do then? We think, well, what's wrong with her? Or what's wrong with him? Or what's wrong with us? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with you guys. You're just not good at it. Mm-hmm. But if you know you're not good at it, then it sets your expectation to know like, oh, it's okay if we make mistakes, right? It's okay. You have the permission and freedom to not be good 
and you have the permission and freedom and the promise to know, but if you do actually work at it, you will get better at it. That's another also law, right? Anything we work on long enough, we'll get good at it, whether good or bad things. But I mean, in marriage, especially for good things. So that's definitely in terms of expectations of like just setting off the bar as like, you're just not good at it and that's okay. So please don't be embarrassed. Please don't feel ashamed or think that something's wrong with you. There's something wrong with all of us, but you just have to work at it. Um, and I think just also like, you know, we say a lot of Renaissance about learning, unlearning and relearning. Mm-hmm. We just have to like let go of a lot of stuff that we've learned in the past because all of us have so many bad models of relationships and models uh, of marriage and marriage in front of us, mm-hmm. including our parents. Um, just because our parents doesn't mean they're good models. I'm not saying no parent is, but for the majority of us, even if they're Christian, they didn't have a good model in front of them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, those, their grandparents didn't have a good model in front of them. And usually it's culture or tradition that trumps biblical framework or biblical truth. And so uh, we just need to kind of be more open-minded and allow God to teach us the thing he created for us to enjoy as opposed to us trying to teach ourselves or just learn it from other bad teachers. But there's there's so many things, but definitely expectations and just knowing, like, like when Jamie and I was talking earlier about just being honest and realizing, yeah, this is just the way it is. Like we're, we're not in a good place or, or we just don't know. Yeah. And not only, I think lastly is I say, um, I think couples feeling like they have to figure this out on their own. Like you don't have to figure this out on your own. This is what, this is what you should have other couples or church leaders or whatever. You you should be, you should have the permission to ask them and realize it's not so isolating. Like it's not just you. You're not the only couple that's that's not doing well. All couples are not doing well. It's just a matter of how, how much. Uh, so don't isolate yourself and think you're the only one. Just why not come together instead and have people like like support you and, and help you along the way. Yeah, say that because I think so many times uh, there are couples that we maybe know are struggling and they isolate themselves and it's kind of like they come back around when the divorce is signed and final. Yeah. It's kind of like there may have been an opportunity to reconcile, uh, but the community around you wasn't even given that chance to rally around you. So Mm. it's hard, like you said, for the reasons people can feel ashamed. People can feel like this isn't the real answer people are looking for when they ask how I'm doing, but it's so important to find those people you can trust, as you said, that you can give your pearls to who um, walk with God and can speak into your life and be encouraging and pray with and for you. So that's great. Um, what about, what would you guys say about dealing with past offenses and hurts? Because I think there are so many couples that we talk to, uh, things have been said, things have been done that were hurtful. And you guys kind of spoke to this. You can't just snap your finger and make those things go away. So how, how would you suggest people go about rebuilding trust and walking in forgiveness what does that look like that's a great question (laughs) well thank you (laughs) um 
I think number one, you have to be willing to own your part in things. Mm. I think some of the time mm. when it's hard for someone to let go of what someone else did, I think it's because it's not resolved. That person never admitted it. And they never owned up to it. So you feel like, no, no, hold up, hold up. We can't remember that time that, mm. you know, and that could also be a recurring argument. It might not even just be an event. It's like, you know, this person, every time something like this happens, they never just say, I'm sorry, I'm doing this. That's, that's not cool. That's wrong. I should, I should not do that. I'm sorry. Um, so I think that piece of it is sort of your own work where you have to do the work, whether it's, you know, through reflection, prayer, therapy, whatever it is. Um, and then I think you have to own the work of rebuilding trust mm -hmm. and not think that that's given like, Oh, well we're married. So you're supposed to trust me. No, you need to do something to earn it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's really hard to do that if someone has broken trust, but I think that, um, like you show it through your actions. Mm -hmm. So again, if someone is repeatedly doing something and not owning up to it, you're not supposed to just go ahead and trust them. You're not supposed to just go ahead and forgive them. Uh, I think, you know, like we're, we talked about on Sunday, I think um, love is shown through action. And so I think, I'll just say for me, when I didn't want to forgive, it revealed to me how much I misunderstood um, or, yeah, don't grasp, like, how much God has forgiven me. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it forces me to realize it's not about her. It's actually kind of about me, me and about me and God. And if I don't have that model in front of me, I don't have the ability to do that to Jamie or anybody else. Like, I need that, I need that constant model and reminder that I'm supposed to do this because of what he did for me. Because otherwise, it make it, I make it to be about like my kingdom. Like you violated my world, my heart, my mind, my life. And so now I'm going to like extract it from you. Uh, likewise, you're going to pay in full. Not only just pay in full with interest, right? But um, I, I, need that, I need that example to kind of keep me in check and make me do actions of love when I don't want to do it. I think that's the difference too. It's like, you don't do it because you feel like doing it. You do it because you have to do it. You're supposed to do it. And then especially for married folks, you promised you would do it. Right. Right. So it's almost like you can't, you can't like hold back on like, on like, yeah, on what's due just because you emotionally don't feel like it. It's like, that's not the point. You promised you would do this. And someone's like, I don't care. You, we kind of have to tell our hearts, I don't care what you feel. We just got to do this. Right, buddy? Like, we just got to do it. So let's go. Right? And you kind of have to drag your heart, heart along sometimes. Um, but also, I think developing the discipline of kind of the, like, maybe the, 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 the rules or the format of if you say you forgive someone, like, really teaching your heart and mind and your t and your mouth not to bring it up again. 
Yeah. You know, like you let it, you literally drop it. I mean, it doesn't mean you forget it, you know. So I think I would hate for like Christians to think, oh, if I forgive, I forget. That's not true. Um, I still remember it. It's like Jamie was saying on trust. Uh, once you violate trust, you have to earn it back. Um, but, and you don't, have, you don't have to forget it. And it doesn't mean you're over it. Mm-hmm. But you are, but we, I'm making actions toward love or forgiveness despite the other person. And at the end of the day, I have to stand before God and be right before Him before I am right before others. And so um, it sounds like a Christian-y answer, but this is, this is like, I'm assuming a lot of Christians are listening. So I'm like, if you want some other answer, then <laughs> go listen to some other like worldly podcast and find an answer you like. Mm-hmm. It's not the answer you're supposed to be like do and listen to. And then that's the hard part, right? It's like God tells us to do things, not because we want to do it, but because it's best for us. Mm-hmm. And it's the right thing. It's the way we're designed to restore relationships because he knows how to do it. And so I just have to follow it. And I think that's the hard part. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to make sense. So you don't have to agree with it, but just do it, you know, and then your heart will catch up. Yeah. Especially when things get to that hard stage within marriage, it can become about like wanting to win and to be right. And I think that is one of the biggest lessons over the course of our 19 years (laughs) is to like give up being right. It's not important. And and Lester said this already before earlier, but I'm just going to repeat it again because it's so true. It's not important to be right. And I, I have an engineer personality where I want to be like, um, no, it's not two, it's three, (laughs) you know, let's be accurate. And so I have this strong tendency to want to win that argument and point out that thing that that's wrong. That's really, really not that important and especially detrimental within a marriage, I think. And when you can get into that phase where you're trying to fight and win and you you don't want to give ground, you don't want to like lose. When you're into that phase, then you're losing. You know, you need to be able to lose again and again, lose the point. You might actually have been right, but that's not important. And at that moment that like you can start swallowing your pride and not keep score and not, you know, get bitter when you're like just swallowing it and waiting for the moment to pass, then I think it also takes both of you away from being defensive. And I think that, you know, Lester shared earlier, there was a point where he's just sort of accepted and stop trying to like change or fix the situation. But somewhere in that change, it felt like it's okay. I'm okay. And I don't have to fight now too. And like, he's trying to get his way and I'm trying to like get my way. But it was like, okay, I don't have to win anymore. And I think that that makes a big difference to get away from that dynamic, that adversarial, I'm trying to win and I'm trying to keep score dynamic. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. That made me think about, um, yeah, the idea of like, I think not being able to do that really brings to light like how much you actually love the other person, right? Because if you love them, you're looking out for overall their good. Even if you like, if you win, but we lose, that's like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Jordan and I say that all the time. You might win the argument, but you'll lose your spouse in the process. And so... 
do you really win yeah, in and, the end? Yeah, and in marriage, it's about, it's about us. And then for the spouse, it's about them, not about me. And so, but it's, it's so hard. I mean, because, yeah, like I said, it violates our kingdom. Like, I don't want to do that because I'm losing. But if they win and I lose and they get better, that's way better than me winning, us losing, and I lose the other person. That does... That was just a stupid win. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But that's that's a hard... I mean, at the same time, it's a process. Like, all of us will go through that process of like... Like, what we're sharing is the aftermath of like four years of process. But the the four years in between, the whole thing was like... Was like us literally trying to win, <laughs> Right. <laughs> And like win some, lose some, and then realizing we lo- actually lost doing that. And like, that's just part of the process of like learning together how to get there together. Um, so it's like, it's not an overnight thing. So yeah, it's, I would love for people to know like it just takes time and it's okay if it's not perfect. It's not meant to be perfect. It's just the process. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, I mean, from what you guys have shared that a lot of times there's a lot of power in presence in just showing up and surrendering and it's like you said lester we fight for control in our kingdom uh and oftentimes the more we are fighting and striving god is not really able to work in that space because we're so bent on getting our way and making things look the way that we want them to but a lot of times there's something way more powerful in being surrendered to god and still just showing up and saying, God, if you want to do something here, I acknowledge you're powerful enough to do it. I've come to the end of myself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a very real place to be in a marriage, especially. Uh, But God, I need you to step in and, um, you know, giving him space to do that. Yeah. I think, Jess, like, thanks for asking the question. I think what I thought of was... um, I think at the end of it, I realized um, even if this doesn't work out, I think what was I think maybe what was the most challenging one of the most challenging things for me in the process was admitting God's still good. Hmm. You know, like if this doesn't work out, I I remember praying, God, thank you for thank you for the good years that we did have, because. You don't owe it to me. You don't owe me a good marriage. So I'm grateful that I got the good side of Jamie for a few years. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, it's like, you know, it's something I got to appreciate. And it's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. God doesn't promise that. And so thank you that I got, I had the privilege of experiencing it. And if in your will you choose to take it away, I have to admit you're still good. Right? And in the midst of the crumminess of it, my circumstance doesn't take away your goodness. Mm. But that's, that was really hard to admit, you know, because so much of how, I, how, I, how easier it is for me to come to God is totally based on circumstance. Mm-hmm. Like when things are going well, I'm like, of course I want to praise God. But when you have Job years where like everyone's telling you just do this or that and you're like, I am doing that. And it's still not working. 
Uh, and it's not about that. And, and then you have to come before God. And he kind of asks you the question, Are you, will you still worship me mm-hmm. if I don't answer these prayers? Mm-hmm. And man, I, in tears, I had, to, I had to confess and say yes. And, but I didn't want to say yes. But I said, yes, you're, you're still worthy, even, even if you don't do this. But that's like, yeah, that was, that was hard. But that was part of the surrender, though. Mm-hmm. Just like letting go and realizing at the end of this, what I, pray for, what I was praying for was, I'm getting to know you more, God. Whatever happens, let, I hope Jamie loves you more, too. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about, right? So it's not about me anymore. It's about her and just surrendering. So, What would you say, Jamie, to the person listening who's married and doesn't have a lot of hope right now for their marriage? <sighs> what would I say? God is good, even if you don't feel like he is. God can do anything. Um even if you don't have faith at the moment, that he can. And and that it's okay if you're not okay. And it's okay if that goes on for days and weeks and months. You know, kind of like Lester said, you just take it one day at a time. Yes, you know, there are times where you sort of need to like fight for yourself if you feel like, you know, things are really not healthy. I'm not trying to tell people you should suck it up all the time and let wrong things happen to you. But in in those times, like you're both going to hurt each other and you're both going to need to be able to absorb the hurt and just sort of still soldier on. And, um, and then that's okay. And I hope that you are blessed with at least even one person to talk to a person of faith who can share a hope and have a hope for you even when you can't hope for yourself. Um, But if not, there is prayer. Because at the end of the day, there is someone that can understand, someone that knows all the details, even the details that you can't share with, you know, your best friend or your family or someone else. And, um, but I hope that, you know, you do have someone that you can talk to because it's not easy. And I think that for me, at least having someone again, just to walk alongside me. They didn't need to have advice. They didn't need to like say the magic things. It was invaluable. And you're not alone. That's so good. Yeah. Any final thought from you, Lester? We agree with you that it sucks. You know, as a Christian, you don't have to say like, yeah, I mean like, it's not healthy. Like God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, but I'm not. Two different things. Yeah, I'm not. God is always good, all the time, but today I'm not, and that's okay. You know, those are like those are two different things, and nothing takes away. That doesn't take anything away from God, and doesn't take away from my situation. And I think being more honest uh, and vulnerable to your situation, so maybe for the first time you can actually pray and have the real God meet you, as opposed to this God that we grew up, many of us grew up learning about, like, he's just perfect. 
right? So how does an imperfect like person like me, how can, how can a perfect God relate with someone like that? Um, but to understand that, yeah, he's there. Like, that's why we should pray. And I think that's why, like, you know, like I was sharing earlier, it sounds Christian-ish, but I can't, I can't emphasize enough that we all need God's word as our anchor. Our heart is deceitful above all things. Our heart will always tell us the worst things about every situation, about not just the other person, but about, our, about ourselves, mm-hmm. our situation, and then about God. And I need the truth to kind of sift through all that junk so I can really see the situation for what it is, not be happy about it. That's, that's a difference, right? But just see it for what it is. And so then I can actually go to God and say, hey, this is, this is the situation. You do it, right? So like Jamie saying, like find, just, yeah, just show up. Show up. If you need a break, need a break, but show up. Don't run away. Don't, don't ever run away. That's the worst thing you can do. Um, you will definitely not, you will definitely not get better running away. And you'll definitely not get better hiding. Uh, find more people to help you, support you, be with you. If you need a break from each other, that's fine too. We didn't share it, but we were we were sleeping in separate bedrooms for a while just because we couldn't stand each other. <laughs> that's real. Yeah, and that was okay, you know, and because that's what we needed to do to get through the day. Right. We just to take care of our kids, take them to school, go to work. We just needed to do whatever we needed to get through the day. And that's okay also. But it's not okay to do that without God and without community. I think that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, on the surface, it looks like, like, yeah, I mean, especially if you come from church, like no one, you never hear these things, right? Like people just, people, everyone's okay. And you just, if you pray it, it'll happen. No, it doesn't work that way. Most of the times, like, it's just a process, including counseling, including just, yeah, including just, like, crying in your room by yourself. That's that's okay, too, you know, but just don't do it by yourself. Don't run and hide from God. That's the first, that's the first mistake we all did, you know, and that got us nowhere. Um, I, I really love how, I forgot who was sharing um, the... It says in the Psalms, like, but God, you are, you are my hiding place, mm-hmm. right? So if you're going to hide anywhere, hide there, right? Hide with God. Don't hide in whatever other places we, those little holes we find ourselves in. If you're going to hide and run away anywhere, do like the psalmist says, you are my hiding place and hide there. So that's, I guess I'll end the pastor part there, but... <laughs> Can't get away. <laughs> okay. You dropping a word, Lester. It's good. Thank you guys so much. Is there anything else you wanted to add, say, come back to? There is one thing that I thought of mm-hmm. after I said my last, last word. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is from like Tim Keller's marriage book where he talks about like marriage having seasons. The meaning of marriage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I really, really like that analogy Mm -hmm. because, you know, kind of going on the like, sometimes you're at church and it looks like all the married couples are great. 
It's always summer for them. It's always spring. Everything's in bloom. And I love the idea that there's a winter and all the leaves fall off and it looks dead. (laughs) (laughs) Because then I don't feel like something like, oh my gosh, we're like, why are we the only ones and everything's all messed up and this is horrible. This means we're a failure. No, it was a season. And it was a very hard season and I didn't believe spring was going to come. Winter came and there was no more spring. But, you know, I feel like we're a testament to the fact that spring came and, you know, and having that as the analogy, it almost gives you permission to say it's okay when, like, like Jordan preached on Sunday, like the feelings are gone and that like passion isn't there. And then it's just the daily trudge and then things go really bad and you go through these difficult seasons and that doesn't mean like okay that's the end of it and this is dying but that this is a cycle and if you hold on and you don't give up and you don't run away that you can see another set of seasons mm-hmm. and i think it also and you know i, I do want to add this last bit note it doesn't mean we're not going to go through another winter. We might be sitting here, you know, four years from now. And Lester's like, I've had it with Jamie. No more. And then I'm like, Lester, you want to do a crossword? No. Or I don't know. Watch a Netflix show. Comedy special. <laughs> um, and that's going to be okay, too. Um, and that this isn't some kind of happily ever after thing. This is, you know, I don't know. We're in some part of spring and... Yeah. So I really like that analogy and and hopefully that gives hope to some people. That's amazing. It's beautiful to watch you guys journey together. And I think that's the biggest thing. Whatever season you find yourself in, you're there together. And prayerfully, that continues to be the case for a long, long time, as long as God graces that to be the case. Um, So thank you guys so much. We love you. Thank you. This was fun. Good. <laughs> Lester, do you want to do an impromptu benediction for all the married couples in the house? I feel like we can't interview you without someone being like, but what about a benediction? Uh, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. I guess I'll try to wing something together. You should just okay. wing it and it'll be <laughs> laced with the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. All right, here we go. For all the married couples and the ones that hope to be, uh, and not just for everyone also and just in general, whatever season you're in, may the gentle grace of Jesus meet you just like he came down from heaven to meet us, to know that we are loved and cared for. Meet you today. And may the deep love of God our Father that can heal all wounds and give you strength for another day, uh, encourage you and strengthen you in your marriages to know that you are known and you are deeply cared for, always. And may the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, who is always with both of you, and you even you individually, uh, give you a little bit more measure of strength today, faith to believe that what God says he will do, he is faithful to his promises, even though it doesn't seem like it and give you his peace, even in the midst of your storm, now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you. I think that's everything. Hey, it's Jessica back again to just say 
Wow. There were so many good things to take away from that conversation with Jamie and Lester. Having known them when they were in those really rough moments of their marriage, their relationship has been such a clear testimony of God's redemption and power. If you found their answers helpful, I hope you'll consider even sharing this conversation with a friend. Uh, But for now, that's all for me. And remember, we'll be back next week with another episode. Next time to talk more about dating and courtship specifically. You won't want to miss it. See you then. 